Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. Storytelling is really my passion. And as a storyteller, I love talking to other storytellers. Nothing really gets me more excited in the world than hearing how they do it and stealing some of their secrets along the way. The coolest thing to me about storytelling is the evolution of the message and the desired medium for that message. I started writing at first, writing stories for print, then I was doing video, and now I'm really loving podcasting. But to get better at podcasting, I really wanted to hear from an expert. And there's no better expert than one who's here on the podcast today, and that is my guest, Matt Halloran. First, he's always been somebody who's evolved through different careers, through different areas, and, and I've loved him every step of the way. When we first met, he was an advisor coach, but and I think when I met him, it was probably like his third career already, right? Prior to that, he was in the Navy. And since I met him, he's been an award-winning author on a book about social media, and he's always one of my favorite experts, no matter what role he's been in. And now today, here he is with his company, Proudmouth. They're doing amazing things to help advisors really dominate podcasting. So with that, Matt, welcome to Perfectly Integrated. It's an honor to be here, my friend. So Matt, first and foremost, is there a connection, a connective tissue from the Navy to podcasting? No, I was actually even way before the Navy. So I started behind the microphone at 13. 15 years old. My high school had WKDS, which was a whopping 100 watt radio station, which I think maybe reached the end of the school's parking lot. But I was Mad Mad Matt Halloran, and I did that all through high school. So I had a show for almost four years. I did try, interestingly enough, with the connective tissue to, to the Navy. I wanted to be a broadcaster in the Navy but it's like an impossible job to get. And so I was not able to get that uh, specific school and designation. And, and that would have been really interesting if I could have. It's, it's so interesting because in high school, I, I was the kid who did the morning announcements too. I was in uh, high school theater. I'm telling you if there's one thing that I could stress on any parent is get your children to do public speaking early. It makes everything else so much easier. Well, and look at your evolution. I mean, goodness gracious, from a writer to a reality TV, not just host, but also like a creator. I mean, you were the director. You really did everything on that show. And I mean, yes, you had a hell of a team, mind you. You really did. But it was fascinating to me to watch your career development since I've known you. So I've known you about almost 10 years now, yeah. so you know. And it's something that's always left an impression on me is the first time you and I went to dinner, you may not remember it, we went to a steakhouse in Arizona and you gave me just some great advice. You told me, hey, above all else, be memorable. That is what you told me at that dinner. And I've always tried to live up to that. Like just do something memorable, just stand out and be memorable. And at the time you were coaching advisors and I just really took that as some great advice. So when you think about, podcasting now that you're doing more of this why is that important how can advisors be memorable with a podcast so we have something called the perfect podcast formula and i really do truly believe that this is the key to recording memorable deposits of information into the logos of financial services right and it it, it encompasses four things so it's storytelling education entertainment and then call to action 
if you have those things, and, and this is why the Perfectly Integrated podcast is so much fun, because you force them to tell a story, right? Which is wonderful, right? Of course, you do it gently and they just opt in, right? Because it's easy, but you're going to get them to tell a story. You're entertaining, so you already bring the entertainment quality because you've been behind the microphone for so long. And then you in, empower the guest for education, right? But it, it's interesting because the one thing that I think most podcasters don't realize is that they have the real estate for that call to action, Matt, and they don't take it. Now, I'm not saying you you hawk stuff or sell stuff, but if I'm invested into listening to you for 30 minutes, and if you say, hey, dude, do this, I'm probably going to do it. So what would that be? Go to our website, download our white paper, subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like for us to ask a guest or us on a podcast, please you know, email me at blank. blank. I just, it's amazing to me that people are so against wanting to sell, which we support wholeheartedly, that they don't realize that they can still get somebody to take action, which is fundamentally different than, than sailing. It's so interesting because I've gotten comfortable doing it with those three and four minute videos, a call to action at the end. But sometimes it feels like we're almost more intimate in a podcast setting because we've spent this 30 minutes together. It's more chatty. It's more relaxed. And you almost feel guilty now, like, hey, I've earned your trust for this 30 minutes to listen to whatever I'm talking about. Why getting them to, to take one more step feels almost like an intrusion. But you're saying it's not. That call to action is important. It's an it's important step. It's the principle of reciprocity. And, and that's a really powerful technique that a lot of people don't understand, I've found is when you do something genuinely good for other people, which I believe experts who are using podcasting as their medium are really generally trying to educate the public. They're the most successful ones, let me say that. People who are excited to be on the, the, the show, excited to interview people, excited to be interviewed because they want to make the world a better place you have you guys all can't see this but right behind matt's head he's got a, a banner that says be kind right and if you go into your podcast with altruistic feelings then it's okay to be non-altruistic at the end but don't try to hawk them something matt like to, you know don't try to sell them just get them to take an intermediary action to deepen the relationship even more again white paper website follow us on social that sort of stuff Right. Let's connect. Let's continue this. I mean, more than anything, someone, at least for me, doing the podcast, I, I love when people have listened. I love when someone connects to me on, on LinkedIn and says, hey, I just listened to this podcast. And this was a really cool interview. It really makes you go, wow, I'm making an impact. I want to kind of continue this conversation with folks, not just the folks that are on the podcast with us, but the folks listening. I want to know what you're thinking about. What do you want to hear about? What? How can I connect that next dot for you, that connective tissue? you were talking about that's to me that's everything when it comes to good podcasting when you do a podcast correctly which it, we believe is a interview slash conversational format they already feel like they're part of the conversation and then when they can actually have that conversation they're in a very different mental state it just uh, was a woman had reached out to me. No, I reached out to this woman on LinkedIn who was going to be a great guest on our show. And I was like, okay, I totally got to, to reach out. And she said, I've been listening to your podcast for years. I can't believe you want me on your show. I'm like, well, you're a thought leader, right? I mean, you're, you're this one's like a hardcore thought leader and she puts out amazing content. And she says, I feel like I already know you so well because I've listened to so many of your shows. And, and think about that from a financial advisor perspective. 
your ideal clients and your ideal prospects are inviting you into their home during their quiet time. When else and how else are you going to get invited into your client's quiet time? This is, and it's also a very easy to execute medium. Anyway, that that's kind of, uh, you're feeling the results of this already. And you guys have not done that many podcasts. You're feeling the results of this because you're putting out great content, Matt. Yeah, it's, and you're right. We haven't done that many episodes. You start to look at it. We've done a dozen maybe, and you start to feel the growth, but it's hard because advisors want immediate ROI, right? So they've done, and that's got to be the hardest thing for an advisor when they start a podcast is it's a slow burn. It's hard to start building that audience. And that, that can be hard for an advisor to hear. It is the wrong mindset. So we call it ROI, but it's return on influence, right? I was just talking to a gentleman today. He's eight months in with us. Now he's a little bit of a results, not typical or your results may vary, but he talks about his podcast with everybody, right? And even before he released his first episode, he had gotten two new clients because he said, I have a podcast. And they're like, what? Because it is, it's panache, right? It's something special, fundamentally unique and different, but it also gives them an opportunity to get to know you in such a great way. So we call it return on influence. Now, you have to have a long-term marketing mindset. Matt, I, I tell this story often, I'm gonna tell a very short version of it, but I taught my kids how to ride a bike. And I'm sure you've done this with CJ, right? I'm holding onto the back of the bike and we're at the top of this hill and, and I let the bike go with my with one of my kids. I've got twins. So Wesley goes first and he's looking at his front tire and he's overcorrecting and he wobbles so much that he falls right over. He only went about 15 feet, right? So he got up, brushed himself off because he knew he was, he was gonna hurt a little bit and we're on a grassy hill, whatever. So then Derek, I'm thinking to myself, how do I get it so that they ride longer? And I noticed that he was looking at his front tire. So I said to Derek, look as far out on the horizon as you can. And it was smooth sailing. In fact, Matt, I had to chase him to make it so he didn't go into the road because he rode so far on his first run on a bike. That's the sort of marketing mindset that you need to have. You need to have short, mid and long-term marketing goals that you're going to set and realize that it's almost like the, the comic book character, the juggernaut, right? Once you get that momentum, you don't ever lose the momentum. In fact, the guy I talked to this morning, he said, Matt, I feel like we are so far ahead of every other advisor because, and he only has 16 podcasts in the can. We live in this world of metrics, which are a blessing and a curse. I, I love quantifying. I love examining data. I've been that way for years. The difficulty is we compare ourselves against metrics that are difficult to to reach at the beginning, right? So you're looking at a Joe Rogan podcast over here, or you're looking at a YouTube channel with millions of views, and you're like, this isn't success. I think the key is what you did with your sons there. You let them know like, hey, Wes, just because Derek went into the street there, doesn't mean you're going to do that. How do you kind of let them know, hey, it's okay to hit these short goals initially at first, and it can still be a success? Well, I, we try to take care of a lot of that through our discovery process to set very clear expectations. You're going to get short wins. You're going to get fast wins. You're going to get mid midterm wins. But the goal is how do you realize that nine months is really when we found out. In fact, our logo before we rebranded was a rocket, right? It was because we talked about escape velocity, right? That's really what happens with podcasting. There will be a point at which you hit escape velocity which allows you to, I mean, it, once you hit escape philosophy out of our atmosphere, it's 
pretty effortless, right? You're going a thousand miles an hour with very little juice, right? That's what you get with podcasting. But advisors have been terribly spoiled, Matt. They'll pay for leads within 24 hours. They start having to make phone calls. The funny thing though, and this is the, it's, they don't do the work, right? So there is, it, no matter what marketing you do, podcasting, video, buying leads, seminars, you have to show up and you have to be willing to do the work. The people who are willing to do the work and are willing to show up and not phone it in, that's when everything changes, right? Not only with their marketing, but also with brand awareness and community awareness and all of that stuff. I'm fairly fortunate with the podcast. I have a decent enough social following that helps, but I don't think it's necessary the way you guys have built your model because by working with Advisorpedia, that gives these things love. I can talk from the other side. I've, I kind of went into this. I had the experience with Matt, with podcasting, with investment news. He'd worked with our CEO. He had done an incredible job. I knew I was already convinced with how you guys handled things. So it made it easier for me. But I also got to go into this now instead as the host. So I got to see it from another set of eyes. And the work you do with Advisorpedia automatically helps a lot. Having that marketing. So it's not just like record and pray, which I've seen some podcasts recorded like out there. You guys have a clear model of what and how to create success here. And you have to start within your existing book of business and relationships, Matt. That's exactly what you've done. You have a huge following on social media with all of the time that you've spent in the media, right? Advisorpedia has unbelievable amounts of people clicking on that site and reading news and listening to podcasts and reading blogs and all of the great things that Pedia does. But you have to start there, and that's where you're going to get the most wins. So we just partnered with a guy named Bill Cates. He's the referral coach, right? This guy is about as famous can be. I've He's been like a mentor, hero, somebody I've looked up to really since I got into coaching. He's published eight books, now nine books. And so he's podcasting with us now. And, and one of the things that he said was, it is a lot easier to refer somebody to a podcast than it is to have them call my guy, right? And what a great thing to do to say, hey, you know what? I'd love it. And of course, Bill will still turn it into you need to call my guy, which he's a genius at. But how awesome is it to just plant that little seed and have somebody potentially opt into your marketing, listen to your podcast, and then when they see that person again, who referred them to the podcast, they're going to say, hey, I want, I want to know more about your advisor, right? That's when all of this stuff really starts singing together. But you got to start within your book of business. You are not going to be the next Joe Rogan. Nobody's going to be Joe Rogan. Oscar Wilde said something, which I think is, this is my quote for this year, by the way, which is, be yourself because everybody else is taken, right? When you are unapologetically yourself and when you're in the zone and in the mode and, and being the greatest advisor you can be and getting that into the can, as we call it, and recording it as a podcast, everything can change within your life. It's funny because I can remember in high school writing for some bio that Matt wanted to be the next Vin Scully. Somewhere in college, or perhaps it was early in my career, I realized, hey, it's a lot more fun being the first Matt Ackerman. Yeah. It's just, it is, because you're not trying to live up to some unrealistic expectation. Just be you. It's funny, though, when I talk to advisors, Matt, they say, hey, it's easy for you. You have these connections and relationships, and people are going to be fine coming on, and I can't get those same guests. And I've, I guess I've always believed, like, just ask. 
what's the harm in asking? Maybe you get a no, but when building a podcast, they their fear is, hey, I'm never going to get the guests. And I'm like, just ask. Dude, I remember the first big ask I ever had was Bill Good. So Bill Good Marketing, Good Grill Marketing, the marketing of really the beginning of marketing and financial services, right? So Bill Good's still around, just so everybody knows. He's still unbelievably energetic and hysterical. But I remember reaching out to him. We were maybe five, six episodes in, and I called him up. I called him, which, of course, nobody ever does that stuff anymore. But I called him, and he answered the phone. And I was like, and I was freaking out. I was like fanboying out because it's freaking Bill Good, right? I mean, this guy is, he's Bill Good, right? He's a follower, father of advisor marketing. And he immediately said yes. I asked Veronica Dagger. So do you know Veronica? Yes, absolutely. With Wall Street Journal. She has a TV show now, all of this sort of stuff. I called up Veronica. I did some work with her in the past. Uh, I was a point of contact for her for interviews. And she said yes. This is the thing. Is Now, there have been a bunch of people who've said no. But I'm okay with that because it's a no for now. It's not a no forever. And I had one of those recently where it was somebody who I've admired a very long time. I had the pleasure of doing some video work with him over the past decade. And he said, hey, right now I can't do it. I'm still kind of getting my fear what my next step is. But I promise when I'm ready, I'll give you a call. So like you said, just having that dream list of guests is a really good thing to develop. Because the worst, if the worst thing they can say is no, well, that doesn't hurt so bad doesn't hurt that bad. We have a new podcast called Be Your Own Loud, which is a, a lot more about like more inspirational stories of people who have gotten their voice out into the marketplace. They, they've risen above the noise within there and they've really been their own loud, which are taglines and really core values of who we are. And I was just interviewing this guy's name is Gavin. And, and Gavin, at the end of the podcast, I always ask, hey, if you know anybody who'd be a great guest, tell me. And he says to me, Matt, I, and honestly, I thought of you when this happened, just because you're like my sports. Like when I think of sports, for some reason, I think of Matt Ackerman. So anyway, <laughs> and this isn't even your sport, brother. I know baseball's your sport. But anyway, so he said, do you like the Harlem Globetrotters? It's like, oh my God, I grew up with them. Mm -hmm. uh, Scooby-Doo on, I saw them as a kid and I took my kids to mm -hmm. go see the Globetrotters about almost 10 years ago. They're about eight years old. And he said, well, do you remember Big Easy? Now, Big Easy mm -hmm. was the leader, right? So there's always the leader. And I have a picture with both of my boys standing next to Big Easy. And he said, Big Easy is a great friend of mine. Wow. He's like, would you like Big Easy on your show? And I was like, oh my God, are you freaking kidding me? Talk about somebody who's done everything that we believe at Proudmouth. Unapologetically be yourself, rise above the noise, really get noticed for being you. He wasn't Curly. He wasn't anybody else. He was Big Easy. He was his own person and really ran the Globetrotters on the court for many years. And he reached out to me. So I get an email or a LinkedIn message from Nathan is his name, Nate. And he's like, Matt, I would love to be on your show. See, that's the thing, guys. So the two biggest things that I hear, Matt, all the time is what am I going to talk about and what am I going to do about compliance? So those are the two biggest issues that advisors will say when they come to podcast. Number one, what are you going to talk about is the easiest thing I can overcome as an objection. One, because I've got a list of over 100 podcast topics that are already outlined for advisors because we've done almost 3,000 podcasts for advisors now. But the other thing is, is compliance, and we built everything with compliance in mind, right? Uh, you can't work in a heavily regulated industry and not 
play the compliance game. I remember when we met with Wells Fargo the first time. So by the way, it was like 50 meetings. And we met with Wells Fargo the first time and they were a no right out of the gate. Like, okay, I, I totally get it. But why don't you tell us what you need us to do to get a yes? Right now, we could have done what a lot of people do, Matt, which is just close the book, hang up, whatever. We didn't do that. So Lisa and I, so Lisa's our, our chief operating officer. We worked and worked and worked and worked. Now, our goal was is if we get Wells Fargo to say yes, nobody else is going to be harder to get through than Wells Fargo. And the interesting thing is they said yes. We started podcasting with the company and then they said no. But everything that we built so that compliance will just say, yep, absolutely. And the big reason why is because you're not going to be giving investment advice. Now we're talking about product. And I've got so many checks and balances in place that, I mean, Matt, look at your podcast. Holy Moses, this is for advisors, right? This is a perfectly integrated podcast. You've never talked about product. You've never given investment. I mean, none of that stuff. And you're running a great podcast here. And now everybody listening, you don't have to be as great as Matt Ackerman behind the microphone, but you can really execute this in a very comfortable way with a very small amount of time and really maximize your ability to influence your community. And I have really enjoyed this transition to podcasting because it's, for me, it's very relaxed. I'm sitting here in my attic. I, although I'm a great active listener, you don't have to do it at all. You could just sit here and take a nap if you want to, but I, I don't do that. But the guests and the people we've spoken to have really educated me in a very different way. As Matt can attest, I, too, build a nice, strong outline before every podcast, and that's more to put your guests at ease. But once the conversation starts, I let the conversation drive where we go next. And it's very different from video, whereas a video, you're a little more structured, you're a little more timed out. This is a much more relaxed environment. And I think for advisors, this is great, too, because also, as Matt reminds me every time we record, this isn't live. We can go back and re-record something. And... That makes it really comfortable too. I mean, when you have an advisor, I guess, especially the ones that are getting started with this, doing multiple takes is okay. It is. It's fine. And in fact, we think that it builds confidence because when you say something and you're like, oh, I want to say it over again. And when you know that there's somebody on the other end of the headphones or on the microphone and their whole focus is for you to be great, right? Our, my voice talents, the people who we have who co-host our podcasts are there for a single purpose is to make you sound awesome, right? To make, to pull the right leadership out, to make you excited, keep your energy up and all of that sort of stuff. And one of the neat things that happens a lot is because it's an interview conversation based podcast, they'll say something that they've never said it that way before. And at the end of the podcast, they'll go to, to Patrice or Eric, which are the two people who we have, who are our co-hosts now. And they'll say, Patrice, I've never said it like that before. And Patrice will say, well, did you write that down? And in uh, Eric, the same thing happens with Eric. They'll say, because of the way you asked the questions and because I am so relaxed, I'm not in client mode. I'm not in selling mode. I'm not, the market just pooped itself and I've got to meet with somebody today. So I'm freaked out. It, it is that relax. And Matt, I do a pregame for your show, every show, right? You've heard me say the same thing every time, but I want to do that to put your guests at ease. And I will specifically listen for a couple of things. When their voice changes a little bit, their breathing changes, but I want them to laugh. If I can get them to laugh before we ever hit record, their whole podcast experience is going to be so much better. It's when I feel like 
a guest on any podcast, whether I'm listening to recording something that I'm doing or listening to a podcast, it's when I can feel that they have let their guard down and are really telling me a story that they haven't shared before that I think, wow, okay, this is going pretty well. We had a podcast a week ago. Patrice was did a great job producing it with us. And I don't know the order that these all come out, but it was a fantastic podcast that we were recording. And it was two folks where I didn't have to talk very much. I would jump in occasionally, but they had it had taken on a life of its own. And that's when I felt like, okay, this is really going well. And I think that is when, that's what success feels like to me is when I am listening and enjoying the story as much as the audience is. That's when I feel like success is happening on a podcast. That doesn't always happen, my friend. <laughs> and, and when it does, it, it really is magical. You just facilitating the ability for two people to, to communicate passionately about what they love. I think it's a gift, right? I, people ask me what I do and I, I tell them what I, I'm a co-founder of an influence company, which is how we position ourselves. We help accelerate your influence and they don't understand what that means. So they're like, what does that mean? And of course, I'm trying to continue the conversation because I don't want to say I sell insurance because then everything stops. But anyway, I get to interview people every day, right? right? My whole job is to talk about podcasting and, and podcasts. That, that's what my whole thing is. And it's such a gift, man. There have been people who come on our show that have, that have changed my life. Like my life changed because of an interview that I did with somebody. And I'm telling you, brother, I wasn't expecting that at all, but I'm receptive to it. And I like it with you. So you interviewed David Cantor. I was one of your first podcasts, first five. He, he's a wild card, everybody. Uh, he's a genius, right? He, literally. And because of that, you have to be prepared for his genius. But I remember him just kind of, so he's plays guitar, but he was riffing off something he said, right? And you did such a great job of holding the space to allow him to riff. And he came out with something. And, and at the end of the podcast, he was so happy that he got to say that thing. I don't even remember what it was. He got to say that thing because you let him have the space to say it. Well, what I loved with that, that, that specific episode too, was he was disarmed a bit because he had a guitar in his hand mm -hmm. and it's clearly a space where he feels super comfortable. What has been a real blessing on these podcasts is having questions from my son because it allows people to pivot their thinking. I, I wasn't looking for a hook when I was doing it initially. I really, because of the pandemic and COVID, CJ is a floor beneath me at all times. And because of that, we talk about these things and I get to tell him about guests and I get to get excited about these things. He has known Matt Bleistein. Matt, I knew Matt before CJ was born. So yeah. when I recorded a podcast with Matt Bleistein, CJ, he was at CJ's christening. So, I mean, when we have this relationship, so it, it made it really fun for CJ to ask him a question and it disarmed Matt, who anybody that knows Matt as well as I do, know he's tough to crack through. So it's fun. It was fun to do. And it was fun to, it's fun to tell him about guests too. So when we disarmed David Cantor in that moment, he's then able to have a guitar in his hand. And now he's telling a story from a different perspective. And I think that's fun to do. Like I said, I, I, being memorable for me and bringing CJ into the conversation has just, has been a blessing for me too. And really fun. Yeah. Well, I think you do a magnificent job of it. And oh, thank you, buddy. That idea of the change between video, which is so highly structured in going to a podcast that can have as much structure or as little as you want, I think really does give 
somebody with your journalistic experience a lot of freedom. To me, the more fun thing with these is you learn a lot because I'm sure you do the same thing. You do a little research. You find out about these folks. You see what makes them tick. What, and some, some people, it's automatic, like it with somebody like you that I've known for a long time. And you just are always trying to find out one more thing. What's what else? And I think, first of all, you give such great advice and you've given me great advice over the decade I've known you. But when you think about how advisors can improve from here, what's usually, you've done, let's say you've done five podcasts with somebody. What is some good advice to help them improve so they can get better at all this? We actually grade our podcasters. So you haven't experienced this yet, but you will. We have a lady in our organization who one of her jobs is, is to listen to the podcast. We've got a 10 point grading system. Then you can score from one to five, right? The first thing is you can't sell. That, that is the biggest mind a switch that has to happen in your mind when you're behind a podcast. It's, you have to understand that it is about education. It is about informing your audience of something that you believe they need to know. So there's one big thing. The other one is knowing your go-to words. Oh, so, and whatnot. You have to know what those, mine is so, I know this. I used to have a sticker, a little yellow sticky that sat on my monitor that said, don't say so. And for the first 150 podcasts Kirk and I did, I looked at that piece of paper. Now I don't say it as frequently. I still say it every once in a while. So know your go-to words. The funniest one, and you brought this up right at the beginning, I did theater also. And I also sang and I played the double B-flat concert tuba. So breath was very important to understand how to handle. People don't know how to breathe, Matt. They're breathing with these really short, shallow chest breaths. And then when they get to the end of the sentence, they run out of air and they get really, and it sounds like they're less confident. One of the techniques that I bring all about, you have to breathe from your diaphragm, big belly breaths. And if you do that, you're not going to run out of steam. You're not going to get lightheaded and you're going to come across as being much more solid as a performance as you would if you were just taking those little itty bitty chest breaths. I know my crutch words are absolutely and awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. It's a, I, what it's a, where I crutch the most and I'm working on it constantly is you finished an answer and I'm thinking of my next question. And I need that three seconds. Even if I've already got the question in my head, written down on a piece of paper, I'm going to absolutely or awesome. Yeah. So it's definitely something I'm always working on. But you can have that space. That's what the end listener doesn't realize. I will ask a question, and, and in the pregame, one of the things that we say is, if you need five seconds or five minutes to come up with an answer, just take it. I'm going to keep recording. My, my post-production team knows to edit that out. But having that space, it also, Matt, and I, this is a active listening, Matt being a therapist by training background, is giving somebody that three to five seconds after they say something, I believe, I believe is a huge sign of respect because it shows that I'm listening to listen. I'm not listening to respond. That is terrific advice. And I know sometimes we're listening just to talk again, especially in this medium where we feel like we have to fill every crack and crevice, but we both know silence it's an incredible weapon and it makes you lean in. Silence makes you lean in. Totally, dude. Yep, absolutely. You're always a person who's looking to improve. When you look back on 
the career you have. You look back on every step of the way, every iteration, every movement. If there's something you could change along the way, what would it be? Probably not hold grudges. Because as you go through, there are people who aren't celebrating your success. One of the things that I love about you when I was coaching and consulting is you were a safe place to celebrate success, right? You weren't like, well, I, right? It was freaking, I'm happy for you, Matt. Good job, congratulations. And that wasn't the way it always was. My first book came out. I, there were a lot of people who really were not happy that I wrote the first book on social media and financial services because they that was their gig, right? Or, or they hadn't written the book yet or they didn't get the book deal or, or whatever, right? I took some of that stuff personally. And I really wish that in my younger years, which wasn't that long ago, dude, that I would have, I wish I would have let that stuff just kind of roll off a little bit more. Because there, there have been, there are probably four or five people who, if their name comes up in conversation, I'm still like, hey, and I need to get over that. That's something that it wouldn't just be that I would be go back and do differently, but it's something that I'm constantly working on. It's so interesting to me because I think being a competitor, being a competitive person, having a, it, it makes you better. It keeps you wanting to do more and, and do stronger things. And I, I know I'm a competitive person. I have to really channel that energy when it's like Candyland and my three-year-old wants to play Candyland. So I have to really like hold that in. But it's something that's made me better in my career is kind of always wanting to kind of try something new and do something innovative and, hey, let's test this out. And I think that this podcasting piece of this is part of that. I want to make it better every time out of the gate. And I think you're a competitive spirited person and it's made what's made your journey so interesting to follow because you're always looking for that innovative path along that journey. Yeah. I love change, Matt. I, I love it. I love the entrepreneur side of my life. I love always trying to stay one step ahead. And the reason why that's so important for me is I am not burdened with genius. So I know that 99.9% .9 of the rooms that I ever go into, I'm not the smartest person there. So going into being entrepreneurial, being technologically advanced, being trying to find the, the newest, greatest thing that will be able to help people. I think if you go into those with the eyes of a child and try to look at it with no predispositions or suppositions about the power of whatever that is, I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to make the moves that we have. Because Matt, when we first, so we only, we, we about five years, right? So we're still a fledgling brand new, still startup company on the grand scheme of things. And there were not a lot of business podcasts five years ago, like business podcasts. There were a lot of personal podcasts, NPR, all of the great NPR podcasts, but there wasn't a lot that had to really do. There were sales podcasts like, like um, Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish. They have its 10X podcast, it's been around forever. That's very sales-based. There wasn't a lot of business, like business owners, experts depositing their thought leadership into their community and we still believe that we haven't even scratched the surface yet. We, we could help 10,000 more people do this and we'd still have room. There are so many great advisors out there with great points of view. Some of them are the smartest people in the room and some of them are modest enough to know that they are good at talking to get the most out of the smartest people in the room. And I think 
all of that content is so valuable. And the most interesting thing, well, I've learned a lot from this conversation today, but one of the most interesting things that I've learned over, I think the past five years is that with the growth of podcasting and the ease at which it can go into the stratosphere and building an audience, you and if you have somebody like you and your firm on your on their side, you can get the marketing to get ears and to listen to these things. It's you don't have to be in the media anymore to build media. And that's an incredible new step along this journey. Super powerful, man. It's yeah. really powerful. So my last question, I always do the last question from CJ. I'm excited to ask you one. So the cool thing was, is because I've known you for so long and obviously followed you on social media and we've had conversations, we, you've been trapped in a boardroom that I trapped you in for days while I allowed you to film one scene or called you at the last minute and flew you to Chicago to do a practice makeover. But so I explained to CJ all this stuff and he said, you know, my dad said, you have chickens, you've done welding. What's the coolest hobby that you haven't tried yet, but you want to try? Now I've tried it, but not it's glass blowing. It's just, it, that's it, right? It's, there's something about fire for me, dude. So blacksmithing. So I do blacksmithing also because there are certain things that you can't weld in specific ways, whatever. And welding is basically knitting with fire, which is basically how a lot of us talk about it, but it's blowing glass. There's this television show called blown away. Uh, I don't know. It's on Netflix or whatever. And what they can do with the glass, it's so beautiful. And just working with that level of temperature and being able to manipulate something so fragile and turning it into something so beautiful, man, that to me would be, now my wife would kill me if I tried to do something else like that. Because <laughs> welding is not an inexpensive hobby, but yeah, that would be it. That would be it, CJ. Well, manipulating something fragile and doing something and creating something with it is what you do with podcasts every day, buddy. It is so awesome to get a chance to talk to you about all this. And thanks for being on Perfectly Integrated. Thank you. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Matt Halloran is the Chief Relationship Officer with Proudmouth and is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial.